at least before this album came out, MXPX was in a spot where they're not sure they can continue to do this. Yeah. You know, though I guess they did concerts and shows where that that were very successful, but they they had something to prove, and their answer to that was like, I don't really care about proving that. Mm-hmm. I just want to like we want to do our best at this thing we are actually good at. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. Thank you uh, for joining us on the podcast today. A little impromptu podcasting. Um, I like to be prepared for my interviews. I like to do do a little homework, do a little preparation. I didn't do that today, and that's okay, Um, although I knew that we might do this, but... Um, had some friends come into town this weekend, and uh, one of those was Richard Clark, um, who has been on the podcast previously to talk with me about Drake. Uh, I think we talked about Song of the Summer last year. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's a huge Carly Rae Jepsen fan, which mm-hmm. was, you know, a big, big thing for my life and my musical taste trajectory. Um, but no, Rich uh, is a good friend who uh, knows a lot about music, a lot about pop culture and other things. And he also works at Christianity Today. Mm-hmm. And he's staying at my house this weekend. And we decided, let's let's dust off the old podcast voices. And, <laughs> and my re- podcast voice is just like yeah. my voice. It's just your voice. Yeah. Mine's a little different, I think, right? I haven't been talking like this It is weekend. a little, yeah, correct. Yeah. So <clears throat> you're really put, putting it on. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. You think you know me, but you don't. You don't um, know Kyle at all. <laughs> Kyle actually sounds like a 47-year-old woman yeah. in his real life. Interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was funny. We knew we wanted to do a podcast, but we didn't know exactly what. Mm-hmm. And I thought about this, and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, oh, this just makes sense. Uh, we're going to talk about MXPX today. And I think the reason we are talking about them is, uh, well, you know, twofold, I guess. One, they were a band that you and I bonded over a mutual appreciation of mm-hmm. and then had lots of arguments about early kind of on falling in our out. friendship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they put out a new album this summer, which mm-hmm. was generally well-regarded, well-received by everybody, including you, yeah. uh, which surprised me. So I, I, I uh, am interested to talk a little bit about, one, the new album uh, and you know why you enjoyed it. Two, kind of your take on MXPX and their career, which is pretty lengthy at this point. I think Mm -hmm. we're, gosh, 20, I don't know how many years in, 20-some. Probably should have looked that up before we started, but they've been around, right? Yeah, yeah. And and what makes um, a new album from MXPX in 2018 interesting to talk about? Yeah. Um, And and there's there's lots more we want to discuss as well, but but before we get into all that, as I mentioned, uh, when we met in like 2007, I mean, they were still had been around a long time and I don't even remember why we spent time talking about MXPX in 2007 but we did. Well, it it was like it, it felt like one of the core I don't know, like our taste our mutual taste in music in yeah. some ways. I mean, it's one of those things where when you have something in common, you often argue a lot because mm-hmm. you have a common place from which to argue. Yeah. Um so and it's sort of ironic to say we had very similar tastes in music that diverged often. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah so there was kind of that, uh, certainly the 
pop punk area of like the late 90s is where we crossed paths a bit and some yeah. of those arguments i remember being around who was better mxpx or blink 182 and you know so just silly <laughs> stuff like that but they were really heated arguments to right. my memory we, yeah they were intense arguments. Uh, so but what i like hearing about is and i've asked you to tell this story a few times but never uh, on tape tell me about how you got into mxpx because i feel like your story is the story of a whole lot of people yeah. who got into mxpx well my um my parents had a deal with me when i was a kid and it was that they would buy i guess a, there was probably a limit that, to this but they would buy me any music albums that i wanted with their money as long as they were christian so there was an easy way to accomplish that. We had a store called Heart Dance in Dothan, Alabama, mm-hmm. in the mall, that um, that just had Christian music. And it was the sort of place where you could like listen to CDs in the store, mm-hmm. test them out. Yeah, take <laughs> them for a test drive. go, is this my kind of thing? And then if, you, if it was, you would buy it. So I um, did that. I just saw the cover of Life in General. Yeah. Right? That's a striking co- mm-hmm. cover, and it resonates with a teenage kid. Yep. And um, I took it, and I listened to it, and I was like, oh, I'm about to get this album for free. Yeah. This is awesome. So I took it home, and it was just like, it was like, it was a big deal, because it was, my mom, I think, felt rep- ripped off, because, <laughs> because like, they barely... Uh, it actually like that deal like put stakes to the question of what is a Christian album. Mm. My parents would want to limit that question, the yeah. the boundaries for that. But for me, it was like an opportunity to like listen to just good, clean, fun rock and roll. Yeah. You know, and so I listened to that, and they were it was really in, like struck me at the time. I was like a young Christian. And here were some people like having fun and being themselves and not sort of like uh, playing a role that so many other Christian rock artists played. Uh, so that that was a big deal for me, you know, to hear that, uh, to hear and see people sort of living out their faith in a way that was integrated into their actual lives as opposed yeah. to separated from everything and yeah. that sort of thing. So that was a big deal. So that would have been around 96, 97, late 90s, mm, right? Yeah, that seems right. Yeah. And by the time we met in 2007, you had had a period of your life where you enjoyed MXPX, mm-hmm. but by the time we met, you were kind of uninterested with anything they might be doing. What happened in the, those inter, those middle years between then and when we met that yeah. kind of made you uninterested well it's interesting to think about that in retrospect because you kind of you kind of they were very much like uh i got the sense that they were, i have the sense now that they were flailing and i think people think of that i think even mxpx may have talked about it in this way that they were like trying to figure out how to keep going with what they're doing. And certainly even their albums reflected this. Like they, they got tired of their situation at tooth and nail. They got tired of, you know, and they wrote rebellious songs about it. Like I'm I'm not your slave, which in retrospect is like a really bad lyric. But, um, but like this, all of this angst started to bubble to the surface of a lot of their music. And to me, a lot of that was unrelatable 
Um, slowly going the way of the Buffalo was probably the last MXPX album that I really loved, and for, and even that felt a little forced for me. Um, at least it felt forced for me to love it. I guess I should yeah. say. And uh, after that, I actually couldn't tell you what their albums were. I just know that I um, I did I didn't feel like they were doing anything new and the problem with that was not like i always want a band to change and evolve it's that i want i'm more interested in the inner personal lives of the people i'm listening to and how it's reflected both in their lyrics and their music which is one of the reasons i love drake so much yeah and one of the reasons that are um yeah i'm just really interested in that and so um and one of the reasons i hate drake lately like i've been less enthused about drake lately because He's just not changing as a person. And once I get a sense that either they're not changing as a person or they're not putting that into their music, I'm very turned off by it. So um, with MXPX, I just lost interest because at the time I was getting more into like indie rock, like Vampire Weekend was a big band for me Mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, I remember. Which felt really authentic to at least to who those people were. The Strokes were huge for me. Um, And... In general, punk music felt like it was in a real rut. And MXPX being the leaders of that genre, in some ways, like it felt like they were the pinnacle of a bunch of people like desperate to keep this thing alive, but really having no sense of like how to accomplish that. Yeah. So that, those, that, those are my subjective impressions as someone who sort of just like bailed out of nowhere on yeah. MXPX. I think our differences on it are pretty obvious at this point, whereas mm-hmm. maybe they weren't when we were first having those conversations. I mean, uh, because you, like many people, kind of evolved certain tastes in music over time, which yeah. is like a great thing to do. Yeah. Um, whereas I was still, and, and still do, spend a lot of time uh, involved in like scene music and, mm-hmm. you know, the pop punk genre, right? It's just, it's something I love. And so it wasn't more of like a, a thing for a period of time it's more of like a long haul deal for me so if yeah. if you once you kind of cross over into like oh i'm exploring some things and in, in indie rock and pop like obviously you're gonna have a different perspective on like a pop punk band that's yeah. made 10 i mean i was also albums, in you know like in the same breath as that conversation we would talk about lady gaga exactly and like telephone was my favorite song mm-hmm. at the time so that's that's illustrative of like how far away from because i really went through a phase like i went through a hardcore like well hardcore and punk phase yeah you know where that was really all that i was into and maybe a little dashboard and like uh the guy who turned out to be an atheist after a while what's his name david bazan <laughs> david bazan okay. one among many who turned out to be an atheist after a while but um yeah that that was the phase i was in and then after a while it just became less interesting to me and it wasn't like to me those genres represented phases of life to me because punk and hardcore punk was about rebellion Mm -hmm. to me like just to oversimplify a little bit punk was about rebellion and hardcore was about angst emo was about angst hardcore was about rage or anger or whatever or self-loathing even Mm -hmm. those were all super awesome valid things for something to be about but it just wasn't i didn't want to stay in that place sure you know and and i wasn't in that place at that time i was in just completely like completely different yeah 
So, it, yeah, and that's kind of where the roads diverge, right? And mm-hmm. and for me, the reason I could talk at length about how MXPX did evolve their sound is because, like, I spend so much time consumed with the art of, like, punk music, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, as more than a feeling. But all that is kind of beside the point at this at this juncture. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, when you're a pop punk band that's been around for 20-some years and you put out 10 albums, like... Yeah, they're all going to be kind of pop punk albums, right? And yeah. so if if you're looking at it from just <laughs> that perspective, true. then you're going to get tired of it pretty quickly, right? Um, so that's a that's a totally fair and valid um, way to kind of view all of it. What is really interesting to me is MXPX this year, kind of unexpectedly, nobody saw it coming. They release a self titled album, which yeah. is a very bold thing to do. Yeah. Um, Everybody loved it. Like, it was immediately a thing of like, oh, this is great. Right. But the thing that's most interesting to me is that it's another pop punk album. Yeah. Like, absolutely at its core, right. it is a pop punk album. Yes. The thing that's different is that it's kind of them, in a way, reflecting on what it's meant to be a pop punk band for mm-hmm. 20-some years amidst all that. The people that followed them, you know through thick and thin and the people that were into pop punk for a while and weren't anymore, but they hear this and they're like, Oh yeah, I remember that time. And this really makes me feel these good feelings that I had about this time. Right. There's a lot of different ways to kind of approach it and come to it. That seems to like satiate a lot of different things for a lot of different people. I'm wondering for you, what was it about this year's MXPX album that made you suddenly like, Oh yeah, this is great. I love this. There's so many things that pop into my head. So it's going to take me a minute to untangle this web. But one of the things I'm interested in, in terms of genre music, movies, any of that stuff is I'm very interested in genre art. If it's working within the boundaries in creative ways, or even pushing the boundaries in interesting ways. And when this MXPX album came out, I remember you messaged me and said, there's a new MXPX album out and Uh it's actually kind of good. And I, and I went like, how, what does that mean? Uh How is it possible? Um, And also this would be an interesting trick if there was an MXPX album that was suddenly very good because there have been not just MXPX, but a number of bands that have been around for a while who could keep Green Day is a good example. Green mm-hmm. Day is my was my all time favorite band and may realistically still be in certain respects. But eventually, like they just they put out like so many albums, I just can't anymore. You yeah, know, like sure. they don't. It just feels like nothingness when they put out an album. MXPX has been very much the same way for me where every now and then I'll go to the latest MXPX album out of curiosity and listen to it and be like, "Ah, I just can't get into this. Mm -hmm. When you messaged me about this album, I pulled it up and I started playing it and instantly became aware that they understood what they were getting into. Yeah. Like they understood what the challenge was and that they were tackling it head on Mm -hmm. from the very first song. And I don't have a great, memory of this album off the, the top of my head but like i know that I, I know that from the very first song there's like a sense of like we're still doing this and like there was a sense of like we're going to have fun damn it yeah. like this is going to be fun and i think there was like i just really admired the self-awareness of it and the willingness to ch- be unapologetic mm-hmm about that sort of thing. It feels like a Carly Rae album in the sense of, oh, yes, yeah. I'm a pop artist. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. I'm going to lean hard into it and make it fun for everybody and uh-huh. like, and make it the best thing that it can be. Yeah. And MXPX does that here for, I think for like, when I say flailing, part of what MXPX has been doing is having an identity crisis. Like, who are we really? They did, you know, they, like, what are we, how do we evolve? Mm-hmm. Maybe they failed at evolving. I don't know. But ulti- that that feels like what happened to me. But when they suddenly like took a break and then they went back to what they're doing, but they did it as adults. Yeah. You know, as like grown adults with kids and families and professional concerns and all of this stuff. Like that's something I can relate to. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the nostalgia of the pop music and them acknowledging in the record that it's a nostalgia. Yeah. Like just adds a deeper level because that is also something like I also have uh, things I did in the past that I miss doing or things that I wish I could do and do them well and everyone love it. And I have fun, but MXPX is in, in a spot where, at least before this album came out, MXPX was in a spot where they're not sure they can continue to do this. Yeah. You know, though I guess they did concerts and shows where that, that were very successful, but they're, they had something to prove. And their answer to that was like, I don't really care about proving that. Mm-hmm. I just want to like, we want to do our best at this thing. We are actually good at. Yeah. So there's two lenses for me to look at this through. One is pretty uninteresting. And the other one is very, very interesting. The the uninteresting one is yeah it's a it's super nostalgic mm-hmm. and pop punk in general is a scene that just wants to be a wash in nostalgia right um, because that's that's just kind of the place that that genre is at right now yeah um, so that to me is kind of like oh okay well yeah I mean we all are you know being nostalgic about things you know yeah. right yeah the the one that's really interesting to me is the fact that with this album. MXPX really didn't have anything to say and didn't really care that they had anything to say. (laughs) So when we trace it back like punk music to its roots and its genesis, certainly the genre was born out of having something very important to say very loudly and very quickly. Interesting, yeah. Okay? Yeah. So obviously we've kind of lost that for the most part over time where that's not really what people expect out of punk music, depending Mm -hmm. on who you are. Um, but what's really interesting is, you know, last year I did several podcasts with different people talking about this idea of we are in a very tumultuous time politically. Um, and this is generally a time where artists are stepping forward to have a very important voice in the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, Green Day is an example of a band that did that really effectively. Yeah. So the question was, where is our American idiot for, you know, Trump's presidency. Right. We haven't had that moment yet. At least I don't feel like we fully had that moment mm-hmm. musically. Mm-hmm. And punk is like a perfect vehicle for those sorts of things. Yeah. So the fact that MXPX <laughs> in this moment yeah. can make an album about nothing other than reflection and not really caring that they're not out here to deliver something specifically for people to be able to applaud about or talk about... But yet it was extremely successful, delightful to listen to, fun to talk about. It's just, it's really, 
it's just fascinating to me because yeah. and, and the and the crazy thing about that is had they tried to say something it probably wouldn't have been that good and it wouldn't have been that no, enjoyable yeah. and we wouldn't be talking about it right now totally. so like i don't even know how to unpack all that yeah um but it's just something i've been thinking about a lot i don't think so american idiot what was a little bit of a standout because uh no one was there it just it what it was unique in what mm-hmm. it tried to do as an album i i agree with you that no one has done like a standout 2018 american idiot sure in this time i don't know that that is something that if it did exist would even get noticed mm. like it is such a noisy period of time. Yeah. Not only because of social media and everyone can just say what they want at any given moment. And everyone has a platform to do that now. It used to be Green Day had a platform and they used it. Yeah. Now we literally all have a platform and we do it all the time. All of our favorite comedians and artists are all tweeting about this crap all the time. Yeah. But in addition to that, Trump thrives off of that. Like the bad guys in the political sphere right now love that it goads their own base it just helps them most of the time yeah speaking out is important but it also isn't nearly as effective as it used to be right and so if mxpx comes out and does that they do essentially a drop in the bucket compared to if they show us a picture of a life well lived yeah and and that feels in its own way like an act of rebellion in its humility and it's like, uh, yeah, just like in the in its um, restraint, right? Like I think that's um, a big asset of this album is that they could easily have had uh, to been too big for their own britches, sure, which is like a southernism, I think. But like, <laughs> um, they could have they could have been a little too egotistical about their own uh, weight and tried to come out and say. We're MXPX and we're back and this is our self-titled album. We got something to say to Trump and be, <laughs> and it's like, yeah, okay, like we all agree, I guess, but our parents don't care, right? You know, and uh, I think they knew better than that. The thing they can be most effective at is showing us, because there's actually a couple songs that hint towards this dilemma we're talking about. There's a couple songs that address like the internet stuff and mm-hmm. just the chaos we live in. And I think what they do really well is they write songs that we resonate with as people who feel upended, at, but are trying to live good lives still. Yeah. NXPX understands that they don't have a, tr- a lot of Trump fans as listeners. Sure. But um, they have people who are desperately trying to just be good people in the midst yeah. of that and don't have a lot of power to change things other than voting. Yeah. A couple of clarifiers from my end, like, um, well, first that was really well articulated. That, that might've been one of the better, I think, articulated points I've heard made around kind of this question I keep posing. Mm. Um, so to be clear, I certainly didn't expect MXPX to write an anti-Trump sure. album yeah, and I, totally. I, they would be not a band you would expect that from. Um, that's just kind of the example of like, mm-hmm. okay, if somebody has something to say right now, like, what are you going to say? Right. Um, but you kind of speak to something that is kind of particular to MXPX because they're a band that have been extremely influential. They were never the band that had the full limelight uh, or the big stars, but they were certainly uh, 
you know, at the forefront of that, you know, early to mid nineties pop punk movement. Um, but what they had that a band like Blink-182 didn't have, a band like Green Day didn't have, and these are all bands that played shows together and kind of came up together, mm-hmm. MXPX had a level of empathy in their music mm-hmm. that I feel like isn't uh, present throughout kind of the punk genre. And it kind of set them apart in a lot of ways that yeah. I find really interesting. And I think the points you're making That's about true. this most recent album is that they they get to that point of empathy of what all of us are feeling without really having to say anything or take a stance against something. Totally. And that's what they do really well. And maybe that's why this is an album that's so effective right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm not sure I have anything to add to that because it's (laughs) well said. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, I just took a slurp of LaCroix. <laughs> Normally we're having beer on this podcast, but we drank a lot of beer last night. <laughs> we so not need to have beer we're right having now. to hydrate uh, today while we're doing the podcast. Um, so, I'm going to take a pivot here on the MXPX thing. This isn't relevant, I think, to the new album or even the general conversation about MXPX right now, but it is relevant to our conversation because, as I mentioned, uh, you know, you work at Christianity today. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you're coming from a certain perspective um, and talking about some of these things. And MXPX is a band that was traditionally tied to the Christian community. And as you mentioned, like my introduction to them, uh, I knew that they were like, I guess, a Christian punk band or something. But yeah. it, they were different than a lot of other what you would expect from a Christian band. They kind of helped turn that curve of like, what what does it mean to be a Christian band or something? Right. Um, so certainly... I don't have any emotional investment on who is or isn't a Christian band. And I don't even think people use that term anymore, but certainly when MXPX was coming around and coming into conversation, that was a thing people were talking about is like, what is a Christian band and what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Now MXPX clearly, and hasn't for years ascribed to being a Christian band and uh, my career in multiple interviews, I believe has talked about how um, just, he doesn't really adhere to a Christian belief system anymore. And that actually is interesting because it mirrors a lot of other bands that came from that time period. Um, we were talking yesterday, you can kind of go down through the tooth and nail roster of, of former bands and talk about like, oh, well, this band has said that they're not Christians anymore. And, you know, Under Oath certainly had their big moment this year uh, with coming back and releasing an album that was very much focused on what it is like to recover from, uh, I think, what they felt coming up through the the christian music community was like yeah and uh and kind of the struggle and, and pain that they experienced coming through that you mentioned david uh bazan is that how you say yeah. his last name he, i feel like he was a guy that was, was like bizarre, kind yeah. of used to be a christian and then wasn't anymore yep um so this is something that i don't have a stake in or even a lot to say about but i'm certainly interested in and yeah. interested to hear your perspective looking back now on a time from the 90s and 2000s where it was very important for christians to know who a band that a band either was a christian band or not a christian band yeah and now i feel like we're feeling the after effects of that where a lot of bands don't want anything to do with it anymore right that were deeply associated with it yeah what does that mean to you and how do you i mean is that something that you even think about or conversations that you have about why that happened definitely um i have a lot of theories and they're not all compatible they're not they're not all necessarily likely <clears throat> but there's to me there's this question of platform 
uh, we're becoming increasingly aware of the dangers of platform as that's a more common thing. But back in the day, these were the only people with platforms other than preachers and stuff. And I think, you know, I think that has a real... I think if you have a platform within a subculture, you quickly become annoyed by that subculture. You quickly become disenchanted with that mm-hmm. subculture for various reasons. I mean, I, they're boring to spell out here, but you could imagine just trying to get... I mean, if you listen to this this podcast labeled about Tooth and Nail, like mm-hmm. you hear a lot of stories about the sort of compromises artistically that had to be made in order to stay within a subculture and all of these things. Those are, those are all separate from the question of Christianity, but also they're totally not like they're, they impact your opinion about a particular belief system. What results from it will impact your opinion. So I think that's some of it as opposed to me, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to go into full-time ministry and quickly became aware that, the more my salary was attached to ministry, the more I would start to hate the faith or Mm. the more, not that strong, but the more I would have a hard time living out the faith in the way I felt called to do it actually. Okay. And I think that conscious decision to step away from that idea, that vocation was the biggest uh, thing that I could have done for my faith at that time, which is ironic, but totally true. I think that's also true for <clears throat> Christian bands. Like if Christian bands start outside of the church and they just say, we're Christians, we're just doing our thing and here we are or whatever, then yeah. maybe you end up a little more like, I don't know, Sufjan Stevens or something where you're, where you're, your faith is a part of you and it's an important and f- integral part of you, but it's not something you need to make money. And then you start having to compromise everything in your life. And then you associate that faith with everything that sucks about your work. Right. Uh I think that's a big part of it. I think the other thing is just, this is what people do. Like people that I have lots of friends from Bible college who fell away from the faith. It just is what it is. It's like like the percentages kind of add up. Um, there's also, I mean, you can see this because there are individual circumstances that lead to these things. I mean, mm-hmm. Derek Webb f- sort of is an agnostic or atheist now, and one of the reasons is he got a divorce that, you know, he was largely at fault for, apparently, and the church ate him alive, and he didn't like that, and so he left. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's essentially, I mean, to oversimplify that story, that's what that's what happened. And that that's the, those are the kind of stories that lead to people going, you know what? Like, I don't like this. This isn't for me. And then going on in a different direction. So the thing there seems to be, and I, I listened to the labeled podcast a lot. And, mm-hmm. and certainly we had uh, Matt Carter on the podcast last year and he and the guys in Emory talk a lot about this uh, with other bands that they have on their, on their show there seems to be a common thread. And what I want to get to here is, was the labeling of Christian music, Christian band, was that actually an extremely detrimental thing to have happen? And the reason I'm posing that is because you mentioned buying Life in General at a Christian bookstore. And that was exciting for you because you had found a loophole, right? There was this band that was being sold in a Christian bookstore and labeled as Christian, but it didn't sound like Christian music. Totally. And it allowed you an opportunity to to investigate art under the umbrella of, oh, but it's still 
Christian mom and dad, so it's okay. Yeah. Now, if you're a band, if you're MXPX, and you're <clears throat> 19 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and you come in, you're coming out of youth group and you're writing this music and you get an opportunity to sign with a label like Tooth and Nail. But, and oh, you want to be able to put lyrics in there that are like, and Jesus loves me and stuff. Like, yeah. you want to be able to say that. So they're not, I don't get the sense that they were like compromising. Exactly. Yeah. But I think the thing is, is that the minute that CD gets placed on a Christian bookstore shelf yep it becomes a thing and that label sticks Mm -hmm. and if you're 19 years old and you're going on the road and you're traveling to japan and and europe and playing shows with other bands and you're growing as a person and your worldview starts to change the moment something changes as it does for all of us as we age you've got a whole collection of people that have already held you to this standard because your cd was on the shelf and this is who you are and if you deviate from that suddenly it causes uh, an issue. Yeah. And I, it seems like the common thread for bands kind of from coming from the scene was that, you know what? People didn't allow me to like think through things. And I just got tired of having to totally keep yeah. coming back and trying to be this person that people wanted me to be when I was 19 and we put out our first album. Yeah. And it just exhausted people to the point where they wanted to not be associated with it anymore. So in that token, <clears throat> like was this whole kind of Christian music, christian band craze that happened mm-hmm. did that end up being a bad thing for the actual artists who were making the art and still were like figuring out who they were yeah me and you met at seminary mm-hmm. and <clears throat> it was a very similar feeling there where you had to be a certain person to fit in and even excel mm-hmm. that made sense because that's a place for training ministers mm-hmm. the christian music label was an overly broad label that is centered around identity. It's centered around, are you a Christian? You will like this music. That is an inherently misguided idea. Yeah. And what my mom meant, my mom was right to be a little shocked and like frustrated that I got this random punk album from a Christian store. Right. Because what my mom meant by Christian music is really what we now call worship music. Right. Right? Like that is that label makes sense because that is music towards a specific purpose. Um even like all the other genres we have, country is a little bit of a exception here, but like rock and roll and hip hop, all of these are genres that have like that are essentially exist towards an end, I feel like. You know, yeah. I could be wrong about this, but it feels like they're less about who is doing them. And in fact, like all kinds of different people doing them, it makes it a little more interesting and exciting. And they're more about they're more about the tone and the approach. And I feel like Christian music sort of starts as an identity label and gradually remembers that genres have to be about tone and approach. And those two things are conflated in a really gross way right. because God's kingdom is really diverse, you know? The Christian world should be made up of all sorts of different people, of all sorts of different genres, if you will. And the Christian music label puts a positive family tone on every single thing you do. And if it doesn't fit that, then you don't fit. Unless you're hardcore music for some reason. For some reason, (laughs) they got away with it. But um, I feel like even MXPX couldn't get away with it. Like, they needed to be positive and family oriented in order to work. Yeah. Is that 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it, it again, it's really interesting to think back on it. And you, I, I don't know if you remember, but there was this period of time where like it was obvious if you were, oh, you're signed to Tooth and Nail Records, you're you're a Christian band. Yeah, don't have to worry about it. But Dashboard Confessional, I think maybe he might be a Christian, but I don't know. I really need to see some proof. Do you uh-huh. remember this phase where like everybody's yes. wondering? Yes, because I don't feel like again, I'm not really a part of that you know community anymore. But I don't mm-hmm. feel that questioning anymore. What's morphed into is just a general appreciation of good art. Yeah. And so, for example, Christians, it seems like, love Chance the Rapper. Mm-hmm. Well, Chance the Rapper is not being sold in Christian bookstores, clearly. Yeah. But, like, a lot of Christians seems to really value his music and his art because, uh, he, because he makes good music. Right. And also, he has a certain approach and a certain worldview that seems appealing and seems to align in some way. But there's no more need for, like, chance the rapper to make like clean rap music and be sold in the christian bookstore like is that a thing totally and this may be a little little too in the weeds but what strikes me about the christian music industry in particular is it still exists there are still christian radio stations but they're only worship music almost completely worship music here's the reason two institutions have crashed and burned since this time radio and bookstores, Christian bookstores, they do not exist. Mm-hmm. What still exists institution-wise is the church. Those are the things where we hear the music mm-hmm. that is Christian that we like. This feels like a good development to me. Meanwhile, you have like Lecrae, and he's like in a clique. He's like in a crew mm-hmm. of Christian guys, but they understand completely that that's just their crew. Crews are identity-oriented, and so that's fine. But then the, it, Lecrae's doing music with, I don't remember who at this point, but he's doing it with secular rappers. Sure. You know? Um, and he gets a lot of heat from it. He gets no radio play, but who cares? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Man, it's really interesting. But yeah, it does seem like a good a good evolution, a good uh, kind of trajectory that mm-hmm. things are on in that regard. So um, yeah, fascinating. Thank you for being willing to kind of dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so on the topic of MXPX, you enjoyed the self-titled album. You know, next summer when you're in the mood to listen to some pop punk music, are you going to go to the self-titled MXPX album? Or like if if you're just in the mood to listen to MXPX, like which album are you going to reach for? Is it Good like the question. old stuff, like Life in General, or is it this new album? I think it might be this new album. Mm. I think I might one day listen to Life in General again. But I have a really hard time relating to Move to Bremerton. Like, oh yeah, what, what am I going to do with that song? But this new album is good enough and is relatable enough to me in my stage of life that I actually feel like it could be really like valuable to me to listen to. Like, it's it. I listened to it for a weekend straight when it came out, and it really helped me feel. <laughs> it helped me feel blessed. In the middle of mundanity and chaos. Yeah. Which seems weird. But like there's, you know, I live in a suburban area. I mow a lawn. I go to work every day. And then also there's crap going on in the country that are not within my control. And all of that is incredibly frustrating. Yeah. Um, MXPX helps me think through and meditate on and deal with those yeah. things in a way I find really valuable. You mentioned Move to Bremerton, and you know what makes this new album and kind of the idea of getting older and, you know, reevaluating what it means to be a person mm-hmm. and an artist and have a family. 
moved to Bremerton, right? Like we listen to it now. It's like, oh, that's uncomfortable. Right before we came down here to record this podcast, we were talking about how Mike Herrera was on Fixer Upper recently. Yeah. And they were buying a house in Waco, Texas. Why are they moving to Waco, Texas? Well, because Mike's wife is from there and they're moving to be closer to her family. That's so good. Isn't that amazing? So like it all kind of ties together in this really fascinating way where you're watching somebody grow. You're watching somebody's just become an adult and become like the type of person who isn't as self-interested as much as they are interested in like the people around them and their community and what they're how they're trying to live their life and that is really really kind of cool totally yes i agree and the theme of that album is just uh being grateful i think Mm -hmm. you know like the theme of that album like really is just about being grateful for the blessings you have in other people and the gifts that you've been given in the opportunities you have and in the yeah it's it's a it's a really mature uh theme i yeah. think and one that i relate to a lot and like pop punk is growing up <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not your kids pop punk anymore. <laughs> oh man this was fun uh before we finish up you have launched a new podcast recently called no chill enneagram <laughs> and i we found out this morning, it sounds like I'm a nine, and we finally settled on that. I'm excited about it. Well, you'll have to live in it for a while, and yeah, then you can see tell how it us feels. It. Yeah, see okay. how it feels. Um, but I wanted to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit about that podcast. It's been a sensation. Like, yeah, if awesome. anybody's listening to this, what what would uh, make them want to check out No Chill Enneagram? So, if you care at all about the Enneagram, then you're probably set to listen to it. <laughs> if you don't, then I would advise you look into the Enneagram first, because you're not going to understand our podcast. And but we're, this is like a personality... Like a personality sort of, test. Kind yeah. of a Myers-Briggs type thing, but it's a little more spiritual, I guess you okay. would say. It's not like restricted to Christianity or anything, but it's... It's a it's a has a spiritual and like a general life growth compel, um, component, and uh, I don't know. It's kind of like the new thing in terms of spiritual, in terms of personal personality tests and stuff. But it also uh, it's it's been around for a long time. There are books mm-hmm. from the '80s. There are scrolls from a long time ago. I don't know if they're really scrolls. <laughs> scrolls. I don't know if they're scrolls, but supposedly like monks did this thing. Okay. Um, we take we we uh take a humorous approach to it mm-hmm. and while also trying to be, be sincere it's really a show about life and relationships with the enneagram as a way of talking about yeah. that more than anything so i was surprised about the uh, i what i liked was the no chill part like i you have uh-huh. a lot of fun it was a really funny podcast awesome so that makes me happy yeah um after you finish listening to this clearly uh subscribe to it's all dead and leave us a review but also while you're there uh subscribe to no chill enneagram and, do it and check that out so yeah. um cool rich thank you for doing this this was really f- this is the first time we've podcasted in person since like 2013 or something like it's been, it's, it's been a while that's awesome the last time we brought the last time we podcasted in person we sat around a table with an ipad in the middle <laughs> with, and just and just recorded through the the ipad's Talked microphone my, uh, do you remember what it was about yeah the, it was that one it on the finale the office. of the office that was the last time wow but even then we were still talking at an ipad <laughs> that's so weird come a long way baby yeah um, Cool. 
Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining. That's going to do it for It's All Dead. As I mentioned, uh, check us out. Come to itsalldead.com and read the words that we write and listen to the things that we say, if you want. Up to you. Uh, that's going to do it. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.